You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another additionally Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Coming to the site now, we have all the week to fall. Unfortunately, there was a lot of it. We got to dive into it. It was an injury, attrition-based Sunday, just brutal there across the fantasy football landscape. It's going to call for a lot of adjustments here going forward, so we got to dive into all of those games here on uh, Lockdown Fantasy Football. It's Roundup Monday, so we'll break down all of the Sunday games here. So 14 Sunday games, we'll get them all in here. The most important takeaways, including the injury news bombs that have uh, dropped all over the league here already in 2020. We'll do that in a moment, but first got to tell you about Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch the season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, let's uh, dive right in here. We've got a lot to get to. We'll start in Miami. This was a lightning-delayed game, but the Bills, uh, the story here is Josh Allen, 4-17-4 passing. So he didn't even uh, do anything running here, only 18 rushing yards. Uh, Stephon Diggs, that connection is in full force. 8 of 13 targets, 153 in a TD. John Brown scores again, 4 for 82 in a TD. So Diggs really taking the pressure off Brown. They're both downfield threats. This team is running. Rather well with uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. That committee approach has kind of been ugly there with not much production. That's what we've learned so far in the first two matchups. And uh, not the greatest traditional running team. Not uh, too much coming out of the touchdown there. But throwing downfield, Diggs locked in now as a wide receiver two with upside as a wide receiver one. John Brown looking pretty consistent as wide receiver three. And Cole Beasley was not forgotten here. But I don't think the Bills in a game that they lead are going to throw for 400 plus yards every week. But they... uh, had to do that. The Dolphins played the running game, forced Josh Allen to throw. This is the result. So Allen now getting the job done without his running, which is a great sign for his uh, fantasy football value going forward here. The Bills avoided major injury. The Dolphins, uh, interesting box score for them. Ryan Fitzpatrick rebounded against his former team, 328-2. So this was a surprise shootout as the Bills won 31-28. The big story here is Devontae Parker played through the hamstring injury, looked good, again with Fitzpatrick, 5 for 53 in a TD. Mike Gusecki, we said all along that he was going to be their slot receiver, the guy that they're going to use as a glorified wide receiver. Don't read into the Chan Gailey tight end narrative here. And he had a bad game in week one, but he was facing a much tougher team, the Patriots, with very good tight end coverage. They just ranked Greg Olson on Sunday night. 8 for 130 on 11 targets. So Gusecki, we knew he was going to be the third target, maybe even the second target behind Parker ahead of Preston Williams. That certainly played out here in this game with the Williams a little bit banged up. By the way, this Matt Breida-Jordan Howard thing, Howard is pretty much touchdown dependent. He scored in two straight games, but Miles Gaskin is the guy right now. 13 touches here 
for 82 yards. So clearly they've pulled a rope it up on us on who was going to be the lead back here. They went back to Gaskin, but definitely Gasecki locked in now as the second target behind Parker and uh, Gaskin ahead of uh, Breida and Howard, except for the goal line work. So very frustrating, but I think if you're going to extract some fantasy value from here, from the Dolphins' backfield, it still has to be Gaskin. We have two weeks confirmation of that. The next game we'll talk about here is the 49ers and Jets, and this was just a brutal game for the 49ers. Not the fact that they dominated, 31-13 they win, but they lose Jimmy Garoppolo after throwing 131 and two touchdowns. George Kittle was a scratch for the knee injury. You had uh, Debo Samuel, still needs time to return from foot. Brandon Ayuk made his debut, very quiet. The story here was Jordan Reed filling in great for Kittle, seven catches on eight targets for 50 yards and two scores. So you like that. Unfortunately, the biggest things were that Raheem Mostert, after another big game, ran 80 yards for a touchdown on the first play, 8 for 92 in the touchdown, 2 for 15 receiving. He goes down with a knee injury as well, mild MCL sprain, so Garoppolo going to be out there for a while, not playing. Nick Mullins is going to get the start this upcoming week. Mostert's probably going to miss time. Tevin Coleman also had a knee injury. He didn't look good in this game anyway. So this could be Jarek McKinnon time. He looked very good. He had three carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown, including a 55-yarder. So McKinnon really could have a lot of uh, touches to himself here with Jeff Wilson only being the guy going forward. So something to watch there. We expect uh, Kittle to return here. They need him. Uh, Maybe Samuel will return soon, but they really need Kittle now that they're down uh, some weapons here. Mustard was key in the passing game, so... We'll see. Maybe they'll keep Reed involved once uh, Kittle gets back next week. And Nick Mullins uh, did have an affinity for uh, Kittle there before Garoppolo took over and uh, got this job. So keep that in mind. So you can see a lot of extra two tight end sets here as the 49ers try to cope, especially after Reed impressed here this week. So not totally off the radar when Kittle returns here, which should be soon. But other big loss, 49ers defense, you really can't trust him now. Richard Sherman is gone. Nick Bosa's gone. They're not going to be playing the Jets every week. They're playing the Giants this week, which is a break here, a team that's also decimated by injury. So 49ers still may be streamable there, but they've definitely lost value in playing in tougher matchups without Bosa and possibly uh, Solomon Thomas as well for the entire rest of the season. So that's a big blow. For the Jets, there was no Le'Veon Bell. Frank Gore would look pretty good, actually, running. Uh, 21 carries, 63 yards, but not much there. Only a little bit of Michael P. Ryan, not really of Josh Adams or Kalen Balaj. So Gore's the guy getting the volume. Adam Gaze's dream has come true. At wide receiver, Brashad Perryman suffered an ankle injury here. They already didn't have Jamison Crowder in this game. Denzel Mims is hurt. So who's the leading receiver? Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. Yeah, two former Patriots. Six for 75 and eight targets for Hogan. Six for 59 and a touchdown for eight targets to Berrios. So these guys, remember them and the Patriots uh, in the mix as big play receivers and doing that, that by default, they've had to be used here by the Jets. So you can't ignore them. If uh, you have uh, Crowder out for longer, uh, basically Berrios replaced Crowder in that slot role. If uh, Perryman and Mims are out, Hogan is going to be the outside big play threat and uh, number one by default so you can't totally ignore it it's not very juicy but it's just getting pretty ugly with the Jets and Sam Darnold should not be really owned in any leagues at this point the next game we look at here on this schedule from Sunday's week two action you had uh, the uh, Broncos 
giving the Steelers a game, but there's a big story for the Broncos. Jeff Driscoll had to come in 256-2. and two. He actually looked not too bad, but the Steelers sacked him six times. That's after they knocked out Drew Locke, who only was one for five, but before he suffered a shoulder injury, he's going to be out two to six weeks. Cortland Sutton came in with the shoulder. He had a knee injury after catching three for 66 on six targets, so Sutton might be missing some major time as well with a knee injury. They already had uh, Philip Lindsay out. Melvin Gordon was okay. He did score a touchdown here, but only 19 carries for 70 yards. We expected him to struggle against the Steelers' run defense. That happened. He bailed his uh, owners out there with that uh, touchdown in the passing game. Noah Fant looks like the real deal, though. With Sutton going down, Jerry Judy being okay, uh, he's a little bit inconsistent. But Fant is a connection. It didn't really matter if it was Driscoll or Locke. He looks like the guy that's going to have the most fantasy value after Gordon on this team, assuming Sutton is going down. So some things to really consider there. It's pretty brutal here for the Broncos and their injuries. And uh, Driscoll, again, we know what he did on his previous teams. He's capable to put up some numbers here, get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. But right now that looks like Fant is the leader. And as long as Lindsey's out, Gordon is going to be the only back that you can trust here. On the Steelers' side of things, Ben Roethlisberger, solid again. 3-11-2 for Roethlisberger there. James Conner, we were worried about him and giving up darts of any Snell, but here's how the Steelers operate. If their lead back is healthy, whoever that guy is, they're going to give him the most of the carries. That's what we saw here, 16 for 106 and a TD. Very little use for Snell. Conner also had two catches for 15. So any concerns about Conner and the injury, they were alleviated here. Juju Smith-Schuster had a quiet game after the big game last week, but you figure they were going to focus on him, 7-48 on 8. Deontay Johnson really came through the way we expected. 13 targets to lead the team, 8 for 92, and a score there. Yeah, so Johnson, you're looking at him. He's definitely involved here with Juju Smith-Schuster. I saw him as being heavily involved here. Chase Claypool made another big play. He actually scored in this one, 3 for 88 and a touchdown on only three targets. So Claypool is going to be picking his spots. I don't think you look at him in fantasy quite yet. But, again, the Steelers looking really good offensively and defensively as well. So the Steelers going forward, I think you have to start Connor. Roethlisberger looks pretty solid. The Steelers' defense. And definitely Juju and Johnson at this point uh, starting every week for your fantasy team in 2020. All right, one more game we'll knock out in this segment here to open the show. It is the Vikings and the Colts and this one. Yeah, we're a little concerned about the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, their defense is terrible, so play your guys against them. We thought Phillip Rivers could have a bigger game. He was solid 214 and a touchdown. But the story here, Jonathan Taylor seamlessly taking over the workhorse role with Naeem Hines fading in the background. They played from ahead, so that means less of Hines. No Marlon Mack with the Achilles, so 26 for 101 and a touchdown. Very Wisconsin-like with this production there in the running game. So not a surprise, the Vikings' just defense looks terrible against everything at this point. So you can definitely run on them. Uh, Aaron Jones had a big game there, but Jordan Wilkins got in the mix behind Taylor. So Naeem Hines, again, is going to be matchup dependent. Are they trailing? All that. So it's tough here to trust his usage. Bad news for the Colts receiving core. Paris Campbell goes down with a knee injury, so he's not there. But what happened here, no Jack Doyle, so Mo Alley-Cox really stepped up 5 for 111 on 6 targets. They're a tight end leaning team. I think the beneficiary here with uh, Campbell going down is going to be Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie. Finally got more involved, 4 for 37 for 6. But you got to be worried about T.Y. Hilton here. Second straight game with the Rivers. 
no real connection there. He's pretty much Zach Pascal at this point. They had very similar numbers in this game. So worried there. Pittman could have a bigger role here. Allie Cox, we got to pay attention. I mean, to get six targets, make a big few big plays here. We'll see about Jack Doyle. They go back and uh, use the 12 personnel with him. But, yeah, we can't ignore this uh, line for sure. Five for 111, made a few big plays here for Rivers. It's all about figuring out where Rivers' connection is. No, Hilton hasn't been there. Campbell won't be there. So, again, Pittman and Mo Ali cox might be more of the guys here. But Taylor looks like definitely an every week starter for this uh, offense. Uh, just totally run-oriented and uh, dominated here without Marlon Mack. Kirk Cousins, what an awful game on the other side. 113, three interceptions, 26 attempts. Dalvin Cook salvages his day with a touchdown, but only uh, 16 touches for 71 yards from scrimmage. This is not the way the Vikings want to play. This is not the way the Colts want to play either. They want to run, play ahead. The Colts were in control 15-3 at halftime. The Vikings were trailing again for a second straight week. It got ugly. Cousins couldn't get the garbage here on the road against the Colts. So it was a tough one. But basically right now you're trusting Dalvin Cook for sure. Cousins is unstartable in fantasy. He's kind of like Sam Darnold at this point. At this point, uh, Adam Thielen, you hope for the best. But Justin Jefferson, there was one lone bright spot getting involved a little bit more. Maybe they'll do that to help uh, Cousins. Three catches for 44 here on three targets. All right, so there's the breakdown of that Colts-Vikings game here. 40, we still have a good uh, 10 more games to talk about in the show. But first, I've got to tell you about Visa. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores or coffee spots or favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back here to break down the next wave of uh, early afternoon games from week two NFL Sunday. All right, so uh, we've uh, taken care of uh, four games, a lot of stuff to cover. The big injuries yet to talk about here. We'll pick up where we left off, the Jaguars and the Titans. This one was a fantasy football bonanza. Their uh, DFS, if you got involved in this except playing Derrick Henry, we're happy. Ryan Tano, 239 and 4, 18 to 24, very efficient. They were really stopping, loading up to stop Derrick Henry. It worked. He still got 25 carries, but only 84 yards. No touchdown for the second straight week. No involvement in the passing game at all. Jonu Smith looks like the real deal. Another big game. Four catches, 84 yards, and two TDs. Facilitated by no A.J. Brown. He became the go-to guy immediately for Ryan Tannehill. So as long as Brown is out, Smith has to be starting in most leagues. Adam Humphrey scores. Corey Davis scores. Tannehill is just rolling in this offense. And Tannehill really should get more love as a QB1. I think he was underdrafted. He's a strong backup. In two QB leagues, he's excellent. So more weeks than not, you're going to roll out Tannehill. And they're playing the Vikings, by the way. Next week, uh, so you got to love that uh, for Minnesota. That matchup where Tannehill can keep rolling next week. Gardner Minshew's looked fantastic. This week he had the volume. Last week he was super efficient. Here, 339 yards, three TDs. Had the two interceptions there. Uh, but you look at uh, this, uh, James Robinson looks excellent as the workhorse here. 16 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Also three catches for 18. So with that kind of volume, Chris Thompson did score in this game, but he's a blip. Compared to Robinson, Robinson looks really good, folks. Undrafted rookie could be 
that steal that we've seen in uh, many years past with Kareem Hunt and uh, Philip Lindsay and those types of uh, Robinson is outstanding here. So Keelan Cole scored again. So he's involved here. So Chris Conley, Tyler Eifert, Chris Thompson, uh, they help support this offense, but DJ Chark clearly the, st- the number one here. It's hard between Cole and Conley and LaVisca Cheneau to figure out who to play after that. Tyler Eifert, only had three t- or catches here for 36 and a touchdown. So really hard to go anywhere behind Chark Robinson. But Minshew certainly has a lot of value, has an up-and-coming QB2 and really high-appeal streamer here in 2020. And uh, it's going to keep coming here with the Jaguars that they play the Dolphins here on Thursday night. So great spot if you need a quarterback there. Uh, if you're in deep league, you lost Jimmy Garoppolo or you had Drew Locke, you can pivot playing the streaming game with Minshew this week. The next game was the doozy of the day. A lot of fantasy points in this one, too. It was the Cowboys rallying from 29-10 down to beat the Falcons uh, 40-39. to This is a wild one. It was a slow start. They had a lot of turnovers. They were sloppy early. But Dak Prescott, what can you say about Dak in this game? He was a machine. Not only did he have 450 yards in a TD, but he also had three rushing TDs. So Zeke Elliott owners are probably a little upset about that, but Zeke still got his 89 yards rushing and a TD plus 33 yards receiving. So solid game. It could have been spectacular if they gave him the ball a little bit more, but they were so close that Prescott pumped it in and they were happy. I told you about CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup kind of being even. Well, CeeDee Lamb led them six catches, 106 yards, nine targets, same amount of targets. Cooper had six and also hundred yards. So, Michael Gallup, big play threat, but couldn't get going. He did have a 38-yard catch later, two for 58 on five targets. So Lamb is certainly affecting the value of Gallup a lot more than Cooper here early in the season. Now you look at the Falcons here, some injuries there that uh, piled up, offensive line, that kind of stuff, but 273 and four. So the volume's always going to be there with Matt Ryan. Todd Gurley cooled off. He didn't get in the end zone, but he had 861 uh, rushing yards. So Todd Gurley, when the game flows out, they didn't really throw to him. That's a concern here. So again, he's touchdown dependent still Gurley. So keep that in mind. And you're going to have to live with that as a f- high volume back. But they did incorporate Edith Smith and Brian Hill a little bit more this week as well. Calvin Ridley, what can you say? He's a touchdown machine. Julio Jones, only two for 24 and four t- targets, but Ridley gets 10. He's always going to get the favorable coverage. Seven for 109, two scores. He's a red zone beast and big play beast as well. Hayden Hurst had his strong game for the Falcons, his first one, 5 for 72 and a touchdown. So Cowboys still cannot cover the tight end. Russell Gage still very heavily involved as a third receiver, 6 for 46 and a touchdown, 9. So Gage really should be owned in a lot of leagues. Hurst should be starting more weeks than not. Jones you're going to stick with, but Ridley is definitely, in that conversation, we pumped up Ridley so much as wide receiver one, and he's living up to those expectations, folks, and big time with his uh, scoring here. And uh, Matt Ryan, Loves Julio, but he also loves Ridley, and that's what you're seeing the results of. He's always going to get the weaker coverage because people are scared of Julio and downfield to get burned by him. They'll take the slow play, but uh, you know what? Ridley is just as dangerous. I think I would uh, maybe focus on Ridley a little bit more, but for fantasy purposes, if you have him, you probably don't want that. Now, the next game we'll look at involving another uh, team from the NFC East was the Rams and Eagles. Uh, The Eagles... Carson Wentz looks bad. I don't think you can start him at this point. I mean, 242 and two interceptions. He just is forcing the issue. He did get a rushing touchdown, which made it okay. But Miles Sanders was the story here. Came back, looked good. 20 carries, 95 yards. Also three catches for 36. This receiving core kind of piecemeal. 
here. Deshaun Jackson was a little bit more involved, but nothing startable. Six for 64 and nine. Five for 42 only for Ertz. Four for 30 for Godert. Four for 41. This is not helping anyone. So really, Miles Sanders is the only truly trustworthy player here. You're going to play Zach Ertz by default here, but it's hard to predict the rest with the Eagles at this point with their offensive line hurting. Committee at receiver, but Sanders is clearly the lead back here. And they didn't waste time coming back from the hamstring injury. Now, on the other side of the thing, the story was Tyler Higby caught all five targets, 54 yards, three TDs. It's the Higby and Cup show, folks. Uh, Robert Woods did have a rushing touchdown, but not as involved in the passing game. But they attacked the Eagles where they were weak. That's linebacker, tight end coverage, middle of the field. That's why Cup and Higby are going off. It really helps Jared Goff with those easy reads, especially when you're dominating the running game. Speaking of the running game, uh, you had uh, Cam Akers suffer an injury there as well as uh, Malcolm Brown. So Daryl Henderson looked like the best back. This backfield takes another twist and turn. We went in thinking it was going to be Akers. Malcolm Brown's the week one guy. Daryl Henderson ends up being the week two guy. So tough very situation, very frustrating to void, but maybe uh, it'll it'll be a little more clarity if if Brown and Akers are both on the shelf here to help Henderson see a regular role in this offense. But yeah, Cam Akers, the first two uh, weeks have just got to be really disappointing. Jared Goff had those three TDs all to Higby. Tough guy to read from week to week, but uh, this uh, matchup was made for him. If they can run and be efficient, that's when Jared Goff puts up numbers. It's not when he's uh, under duress and uh, making mistakes here all over the field. The next game we'll talk about as we go is the Giants and Bears. And uh, this one was the devastating injury to Saquon Barkley. Sterling Shepard also had a toe injury, but Barkley out for the season, confirmed with a torn ACL. You have Sterling Shepard dealing with the toe. What else is new? He's hurt. Evan Ingram was the leading receiver, but didn't look very good doing it. Six for 65 there on uh, eight targets uh, for uh, the Giants. And uh, he just misses some connections here. Golden Tate, five for 47. So this was pretty ugly. Darius Slayton was shut down without Shepard. Without Shepard and Barkley, it really didn't help any of these other guys. Let's say that. Deion Lewis. Limped to 14 touches to 56 yards. He did score, but they do have Wayne Gallman somewhere available. They're thinking about Devontae Freeman. So this could be an ugly committee here going forward. And, uh, yeah, the Giants offense, any good vibes they had coming out of uh, doing things against the Steelers, it's all dead here with Barkley and uh, this situation. Just ugly. Again, I don't love Lewis, but he's a guy right now. We'll see if Gallman gets back in the mix. If they sign Freeman, it could get really committee and situational-like and we don't like those uh, replacement things for uh, fantasy football. So that was hard. He was a hard guy to handcuff here because there's no clear-cut guy. Lewis wasn't all that inspiring. So you might have to go elsewhere and find uh, uh, other backup to really give you some value here from the Barkley injury. Now, the other side of things, you had uh, Mitchell Trubisky, another two-touchdown game, uh, multiple scores here. David Montgomery's the story. He's the bread and butter now of this uh, offense. 19 touches, 127 yards. And a touchdown combined there. So he is uh, looking like the workhorse we expected last year. When we were excited about him, we thought he was an RB2 with upside. Now he looks like an RB1, folks. And uh, Tariq Cohen just sprinkled into the offense a little bit. But the Bears clearly are going to be all about the running game as much as possible and grind it away, keep the game out of Mr. Trubisky's hands. That's why Allen Robinson is probably a little upset. He doesn't want to be in this passing game. He only had three for 33 on nine targets. And Anthony Miller was blanked. On three targets. So that was really disappointing after both of them had nice week ones here. But everything's going to run through Montgomery. Hopefully Robinson is still viable as a wide receiver two here going forward. And maybe he'll move out of this situation. But yeah, definitely run centric. 
That helps Trubisky a little bit, but doesn't help fantasy in the passing game at all. Our final game that we'll get to in this segment is the Packers and Lions. And the Packers, again, throw up 40 points. They had 43 last week. Not as good this week, only 42. But he'll take a 242 Aaron Rodgers, more modest game. That's because Aaron Jones went off. 18 carries, 168 yards, 2 TDs. Four receptions to lead the team, 68 in TD. Helped by Devontae Adams going down. Jones, once again, was a big factor. Hey, the 19 TDs, hey, Aaron Jones could get there again. Uh, so maybe we were thinking about the touchdown regression. We were worried about Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, but those guys are just adding on. When the Packers are dominating a weak defense like the Vikings or Lions, uh, there's going to be plenty to go around here. So Aaron Jones, we'll have to watch Devontae Adams and the hamstring and the ankle. You can't trust the other receivers quite yet a week in, a week out, but the Aarons have it, Rodgers and Jones bringing it every week. On the other side of things, the Lions, uh, Adrian Peterson, only seven carries for 41. No more Kenny Galladay in this one. Uh, again, hurt for another week. Quintus Cephas got some more work with Galladay out, three for 54. Marvin Jones, again, the end zone, but only four for 23 on six targets. So poor Matthew Stafford. Things are breaking down around him. They can't run the ball, as we expected. DeAndre Swift did get involved more in the past game, five for 60. So eventually this backfield has to twist to Swift. They have nothing to lose now. The Lions are 0-2. Matt Patricia is on the way out. they got to get things going. But TJ Hawkinson was encouraging that he was leading receiver here, 4 for 62 on 4 targets. But things could definitely change with Galladay. I think Galladay's return will help Jones get involved. Danny Amendola is just a blip here. So I really uh, really feel for the Lions, but again, a team that uh, once again is disappointing us in uh, new ways to do that here uh, with Matthew Stafford. So Stafford falling really out of the QB1 conversation as long as the Lions, other things, drag him down here this season. All right, so there's a breakdown of those games. We still have five more to talk about, including uh, Sunday Night Football, the great grand finale of this. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tra- tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser with. 18 amazing flavors and now six new flavors uh, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. All the built bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built bar is great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a very delicious treat. All the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for keto diets. Just take their peanut butter flavor profile, 19 grams protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams sugar, only 5 grams net carbs. And right now, the deal for Built Bar gets even better. Once you get your first box of Built Bars, you'll be hooked and want to come back for more. Well, now you can take advantage of a great offer. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get $10 off your next order. It doesn't matter if it's your fourth order, your sixth order, your 20th order. Believe me, you'll want to keep ordering it. You'll get that $10 off any Order now at BuiltBar.com. So just use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back here to close the show uh, looking at uh, the final five Sunday games from week number two. All right, uh, let's uh, close the show looking at the final few games here of uh, the week two NFL Sunday that was... So now we're up to the Panthers-Bucks game, and this is the other game where the devastating injury happened here to the number one overall pick in fantasy. We had the number two, Saquon Barkley, go out for the season. At least this one is not as bad. Silver lining, I guess. But Christian McCaffrey, 18 carries, 59 yards, two TDs, four catches, 29. This team loses, Panthers lose 17-31. to 
But McCaffrey suffers an ankle injury. Mike Davis right now is his top handcuff. He actually was in the passing game quite a bit when McCaffrey went down. Eight catches for 74 here. So Mike Davis will be the lead back, so to speak, going forward. Uh, He is really their best option here. But figuring they're going to have to diversify a little bit in the passing game here. DJ Moore had a big rebound game. 13 targets to lead the team. Eight for 120. Robbie Anderson, another big game. Nine catches for 100 yards on 10 targets. So... Really, this offense is going to run even more through Moore and Anderson. This probably helps Curtis Samuel get more involved. He did have four carries here for 26. So I expect Davis to be the lead touchback here, 15 to 20. Samuel seeing a handful of uh, extra touches here, uh, 8 to 10 in the game going forward. So very tough situation for the Panthers. And again, Mike Davis, even if it's not the most exciting handcuff, I say he's a little bit better than the Deion Lewis, uh, Wayne Gallman, potential Devonta Freeman situation that might develop with the Giants here. So you can get some good viable production for Mike Davis. They like him a lot. Remember, they dumped Reggie Bonifon and other guys that once they like Davis. Davis has been productive in the past with the 49ers and the Seahawks. So always liked him. But this uh, passing game definitely should have a bigger role for Samuel with McCaffrey out. But still, Moore and Anderson right now are the only two Panthers you can totally trust here, depending on the size of your league. Now, with the Buccaneers, we did have a shift here that we should have to talk about. Tom Brady was solid, not spectacular. Yet another interception, 270 and a touchdown, 217 and a touchdown. That went to Mike Evans on a big play, seven catches for 104. Keep in mind, Chris Godwin didn't play this game. He had a concussion. Just missed Scotty Miller on a touchdown here. And the Bucks were in control. Their defense... Uh, Dominated here. They were up 21-0 at halftime. It was just holding on to the lead here and grinding. And what the Bucks found out is Leonard Fournette fits their running game as well. Leonard Fournette's back, folks. And again, another guy like Cam Newton just had to go to a different team. Ronald Jones looked good early, 7 for 23 and a touchdown. But Fournette was Thunder Fournette. 12 carries, 103 yards, and a couple scores. So they waited. Fournette, you can say, is safely in this offense. Remember, they use a lot of 12 personnel, like they're blocking with Rob Gronkowski. O.J. Howard and others here in this offense. So they might be more run-oriented than we think because the Fournette edition kind of changed things a little bit the way we perceive this team. And then no Godwin here. Uh, Gronk still trying to get in the mix a little bit more. But uh, what we see here with this uh, Bucks team, again, they're going to open things up. It could be more explosive. But if they don't have resistance like this, the Panthers just weren't in the game enough, you're not going to have a high volume of uh, – Passing. So this is going to change definitely in other matchups. Uh, this week against the Broncos, it may not change because of, of just weak how weak the Broncos are at this point. But keep that in mind with the Buccaneers going forward. They're not going to be moving that wide open Jameis Winston team anymore. They have good blocking, and Fournette is running this well here, playing off Tom Brady. So that definitely cuts into Brady's value, really kills Jones's value here. And we'll see about Godwin returning against the Broncos, and that'd be a great matchup given what Deontay Johnson and uh, Chase Claypool and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster did against the Broncos there in week number two. All right, let's uh, go to our next game as we pivot to the four o'clock window. The Cardinals, all over Washington football team, 30-15. to 15. Kyler Murray, another solid game, threw another pick, but 286-1. and one. And, of course, eight rushes, 67 yards, two more TDs there. Two amazing runs there. So he's the new Lamar Jackson with his uh, running upside and a pretty high passing floor at this point too. DeAndre Hopkins came through again with another touchdown, 8 for 68 on 9 targets. He seamlessly made the transition, folks, from uh, Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray. He's pretty much the same receiver, rejuvenated. This offense, a lot of weapons, spreading the ball around. 
And I mentioned this so many times, and if you were listening throughout the preseason, I said there's not going to be much else. It's going to be piecemeal from week to week, and that's what it is. You have two for 67 for Andy Isabella, two for 57 for Christian Kirk, seven for 50 for Larry Fitzgerald. None of these make really viable, exciting fantasy uh, players here beyond uh, DeAndre Hopkins because it's going to be sporadic and unpredictable. So really the only three guys you can start for this team are Murray, Hopkins, and Drake. And that's what makes Murray very valuable. That's what makes Drake very valuable. And that's what boosts Hopkins' value as well. So their defense came through. If you stream them, the sacks, pressure, they could have shut them down, but they kind of let the Washington uh, football team have some garbage fun at the end of the game here, but after uh, leading 20 to nothing. So Cardinals just look like a solid team all around, and Murray, every week, lock them in. Don't even think about it at this point. On the other side, uh, Dwayne Haskins looked better. He did have 223-1. and one. The biggest thing is Antonio Gibson got going as the lead back over Peyton Barber. Clearly, they're 13 for 55 there, and a touchdown in the passing game. Terry McLaurin, thankfully, uh, has uh, reignited his connection with uh, Haskins, 7 for 125 and 10 targets. At this point, you're not going to extend to Steven Sims Jr. much. Logan Thomas, touchdown dependent. He did get a few looks there, but again, this passing game really is all about McLaurin. This running game is really about Gibson. McLaurin uh, should be in there as a wide receiver three for every week. And Gibson is, a, I think, more of a flex play, but he has some RB2 upside if he's going to get that kind of volume in this offense. All right, so the next game we talk about as we go now to the 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time window it is the Ravens and the Texans. The Ravens take care of business here rather easily, 33-16. Unfortunately, it was too easy. So not a lot from Lamar Jackson. Only rushed for 54 yards, 204, and only one touchdown. That's a modest game for him. And then the game was out of hand for Deshaun Watson. He really couldn't get anyone going. Will Fuller was pretty much a no-go here against this Ravens secondary. Just blanked from the game plan. 275 and a touchdown for Watson. Only 17 yards rushing. So... Bad game. We thought Jackson and Watson are going to light it up. Hopefully Jackson versus Mahomes will give us a little bit more juice there in week number three. Look at Watson. Uh, David Johnson shut down this Ravens. A run defense comes through again, uh, shutting Johnson down. Brandon Cooks was the leading receiver. We thought Cooks' longer-term value would be more consistent than Will Fuller. Five for 95 and eight targets. He worked the middle of the field quite a bit here. Uh, that's where you exploit the Ravens, so something to watch in the future games. The Chiefs are going to probably throw a lot to Travis Kelsey and work at Tyreek Hill and slot against his team next week. Now, on the Ravens side of things, this was bizarre. This backfield is extremely hard to figure out. Mark Ingram had a long touchdown run here to save his day. He had otherwise nine carries for 55 yards. Gus Edwards led the team in rushing with 10 for 73. He hardly played in week one. The J.K. Dobbins, it was looking really ugly for J.K. Dobbins. He salvaged something there. He only needed three touches to get... 61 yards. So his team was trying to sideline him and keep him from playing, but it's kind of ridiculous. They were winning this game going away, and they didn't give Dobbins an opportunity. It would think that you don't want to play Ingram in the second half. So this committee could be a little frustrating at first. And against the Chiefs, you figure they want to be run-oriented, definitely. So we'll see. But it's hard to know how this plays out with the backs in uh, Jackson now. Almost uh, with Dobbins there, it makes them more confused and crowded here. Versus just saying, Dobbins, you're the guy. Ingram, we're going to sprinkle you in. And Edwards is going to be the third swing player on this team. Now, on the receiving court, Marquise Brown, very quiet game. When you run all over, to, when you run for 230 with your committee, you're not going to need to pass much. And that's concern here. So you want a little resistance. 
there, so they have to do play-action pass with Lamar Jackson, but that didn't happen in this particular game. Now, the next game was the shocker with the twist we had early game. The Chargers lose at overtime 23-20, but the biggest thing, Justin Herbert started uh, late chest injury for Tyra Taylor. He popped up with that in week one, was not on the injury report with week two. 3-11-1 for Justin Herbert, passing. He had an interception, but also had 18 yards and a rushing score. So pretty solid uh, fantasy debut and reality debut for Justin Herbert. Big story here is Austin Eckler. Yeah, 16 for 93 for Eckler. He looked excellent, but uh, 4 for 55 in the pass game. But they also had room for Josh Kelly. They gave him 25 touches, and he got uh, 113 yards. No touchdown for him or Eckler, but clearly they can work both these guys, and their offense is going to run heavy. They, that's what they want to do with Herbert. We'll see if Herbert remains the starter. They're talking about bringing Taylor back, which makes no sense. But Herbert at least fed Keenan Allen 7 for 96 and on 10 targets, so that's good. And Hunter Henry 6 for 83 and 8. Mike Williams, however, hard to trust because they're not going to go deep ball fishing here with Mike Williams with the rookie. So a lot of it is going to run through Eckler, Kelly, Hunt, Hunter Henry, and Keenan Allen this week. The Chiefs had a tough start against this Chargers defense. They brought it, but the principles came through. 5 for 99 and a touchdown, 11 targets for Tyreek Hill. 9 for 90 and a touchdown on 14 targets for Travis Kelsey. So just a good, good game for the Chiefs. The principles, uh, Patrick Mahomes started slow. He had 54 yards rushing, however, and then made up for it with 302 yards and two DDs. So solid game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was bottled up, but still managed 70 yards on 16 touches here. So definitely not like his debut that was totally dazzling, but they were playing tough Chargers defense, and given all that, that you got pretty good production from the main guys from the Chiefs, you had to be pleased with that. And we'll see about Herbert, but certainly he helps the uh, main guys for the Chargers because rookies tend to just keep it simple, hand it off to the main guys, throw to the main guys, and that's what we saw in this game. Our final game here, this was an excellent game. The Seahawks and Patriots go back and forth. It started slowly. It was 14-14 at halftime, but really revved up. The Seahawks scored 21 points after the break. The uh, Patriots scored 16. 35-30, the Seahawks outlast the Patriots. And what can you say about Russell Wilson? He's looking like QB1, folks. QB1 overall. I mean, uh, you have uh, Wilson doing some great things. Uh, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott putting up numbers. But second straight monster game for Wilson, 288-5. and five. He actually threw a pick six in this game, so he gave six points the other way to the Patriots. But he still had the five touchdowns. He ran for 39 yards. This is fantasy football domination with one player. DK Metcalf, Stephon Gilmore, eh, dusted him off. Four for 92, including a 54-yard touchdown, six targets. Gilmore was really dusted by Metcalf. And Metcalf was a really hard cover. Seven for 67 and a touchdown. For Lockett, so Metcalf, Lockett, every week starts. Chris Carson also get another receiving touchdown, second straight week. He only had uh, 20 touches for 98 or 108 yards, a typical game from Carson. So Metcalf, Lockett, Carson, Wilson, just keep rolling with these guys. We're not extending anything else on the Seahawks team. As I mentioned earlier, Greg Olson shut out in this game against the Patriots. Good tight end coverage. The other story, Cam Newton, 397 in this uh, shootout with Wilson. And a touchdown. He got his uh, through the ground, uh, leading the Patriots again and rushing 47 yards there, two TDs there. And uh, Julian Edelman has never had this type of game with Tom Brady. Eight catches, 179, including a 49 catch and 11 targets. He started slowly, but so did Nikhil Harry and him. But the volume ramped up. Harry ended up with eight for 72, more viable on his 12 targets. Demir Bird being involved as the third target here. He had six catches for 72 on nine. So 
Harry and Edelman are about the co-equals, but Edelman clearly getting a little more trust from Newton as the veteran guy. Jules, as he likes to call him. And uh, yeah, Edelman can have a big season. I was talking him up as a sleeper. I think people are just ignoring him with the QB situation. But as soon as Newton arrived there and showed some chemistry with Edelman, you knew that was the pivot, and that's what you saw here in week number two already. So Newton, definitely viable. They're playing the Raiders this week. Great matchup again. For them, the Seahawks play the Cowboys. Great matchup for them. So keep rolling with uh, your principles. And the quarterbacks, Cam Newton is now QB1. Wilson, again, might be the top QB on the board in fantasy when it's all said and done here in 2020. So there you have it. There's a takeaway for all of your Week 2 NFL Sunday games. A lot to talk about there. We have to pack it in there. Uh, Don't forget tomorrow, it's Pickup Tuesday. We'll break down Monday Night Football, the game to close Week 2, the Saints and the Raiders to open the Las Vegas New Stadium. And then we'll look at the pickups. A lot of pickups based on the injuries this week, uh, free agency and the waiver wire in fantasy football for week number three. And then we'll go matchup Wednesday, matchup Thursday, break down all the games of week three, and then go DFS spinning lineup Friday for week three as well. We start a progressive known as Lockdown Fantasy Football. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Vinny Iyer. We'll see you tomorrow, next time, with more fantasy football analysis as we turn the page to week three.